Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. Our 21st show, uh, mm. Rob, it would legally be allowed to consume alcohol in America now. 21 again. That's what I am. 21 again for, for one day only um, on this show 21 uh, Robert and I will be detailing exactly what our indie author businesses look like from how much time we spend writing per day how much time we spend marketing and work on other administrative tasks that are required to run a successful indie author company. Um, we will also be answering a very interesting mailbag question sent in by one of you listeners about creating characters for your novels. And later in the show, award-winning writer Amanda J. Evans will be joining us to tackle our seven questions. Before mm. all that, though, Robert, mm-hmm. we begin where we always do with the week that was. How have your last seven days been? They have been very productive. Yes, David. Yeah, it's all about Sam Pope Eleven now. Um, I had a one. So this past week, I got about another twelve to thirteen thousand words down. Excellent, great discipline. So I'm I'm ramping towards like fifty thousand words, but I think this will be the longest book I've done so far because it's just building and building. Um, oh really? And now I I had a moment the other day. It was about just gone midnight and i just finished like reading my book and i was like i felt my eyes going and just like the twist of my book hit me yes i I, love that those moments so so i don't i don't usually hang up on twists i have a few twists in my books yeah um that that usually catch people but i know where i know what they are i've only had one twist hit me out of nowhere yeah I made Sophie laugh and I said, I have a twist that I didn't see coming. And she's like, but you're writing the book. I was like, yeah, it's just yeah. how it works. And yes. um, that happened um, for this book. So I had to run to my, to my desk and write it all down. Just so I've got like this, this, this horribly scrawled notes, but I'm really excited now. So that's, um, Great that's stuff. moving, that's moving forward. Um, so that's predominantly what I've been up to. Great. Um, outside of that, um, I've secured a book bub deal for one by one. So my first ever book. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I thought I'd give that a um, a little push because that's, that's the one that doesn't... It sells all right. I don't really need to do much. It sort of sells itself as like a good thriller. Yeah. Um, but I sort of noticed the other day it had loads and loads of ratings now and I don't do anything with it. So I was like, okay, well, let's give that a little push. And if I can get that up and kick in a bit more, I might run just some small marketing campaigns in the background for it. Yeah. Just a nice little little bit of money coming in from it um so i've been working on like the back matter of that book the a plus content because i've never really done anything with it so Mm -hmm. yeah so it's been it's um been very productive before i hand over to you um Mm -hmm. i i i have um a little um anecdote for for our listeners and it's about i think we've we've covered like how we build a readership and how we um discuss uh, we've discussed like how we talk to our readers i make sure i think you're the same as me i make sure i go out of my way to respond to every positive comment and yeah. every email i get mm-hmm. the other day on one of my facebook ads someone literally comment i think it's incredible how this author responds to everyone who speaks to him i'm yeah. definitely going to buy the book now yeah so i was you yeah know, i've just, had a few of those so just a little, little. Um, if you're ever sitting there thinking like, oh, I will uh, we'll respond to these comments and stuff. One, you should always be appreciative that people reach out to you in that way. Yeah. But two, like just being nice, being courteous can go a long way with some people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's nice, nice little one there. Um, but yeah, productive yeah. week, David. How about yourself? Yeah, productive week here as well. Um, predominantly writing, which is sort Good. of been the first time. Um, this year, really. So I'm, I'm, I got dug into the Betsy Blake novella sequel, 
that I'm mm-hmm. doing uh, maybe about eight or nine thousand words down this week and I am gunning towards that like I, I can I can I the the tunnel the end of the tunnel is in sight and stuff like that I can nice I can see if I can discipline myself to just sit down and write uh, we can get that out in the springtime it's um, we're going to actually discuss this aren't we the yes. how we manage our businesses and, mm-hmm. and how much time we give over to writing and how disciplined you have to be when it comes to that. So I've had one of those weeks where I, I got a lot done, predominantly the writing, which is the way it should be. Uh, I've I've had some good meetings this week about the Alec Ferguson screenplay as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so that's gone into uh, uh, another production company who predominantly produce sporting stuff they did a lot of sports documentaries and they've been reaching out in the past few years to do drama and so my agent is very excited about that we're hoping to hear back from them soon i don't know what soon means and um, i think soon means a different thing in television production than it means in the real world that's been my <laughs> experience of it so far um but it's exciting times i've also what else have i done because i've had such a stacked week oh i mentioned a few weeks ago that i was looking into perpetua which is an yes. advertising company who specialise in Amazon. Had Jean Granger uh, mentioned this in Jean Seven Questions? Jean Granger had she? mentioned them on Seven Questions, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have signed up to those. Okay. So for some reason, the past few months, my Facebook ads have been selling books. Mm-hmm. But my KU page reads have really nosedived. I used to get like 50, 60, and then on really good days, like 80,000 page reads a day but that's sort of sunk to between 10 and twenty thousand consistently oh, okay, yeah. for a while and it just hasn't been good enough and you can really notice the difference on your uh royalty rates yeah. when the ku page reads aren't as high so i'm trying to get more exposure on amazon itself rather than through facebook clicks so i'm just switching my uh marketing spend up is what I'm doing and I'm going to try it for three or four months over the, over this summer and see where it goes I also did because uh, I learned that from Jean Granger I learned this from an, uh, another in the author that we've had on seven questions do you know what I did this week Rob I upped the price of my books oh you greedy bastard well just all with <laughs> uh, all particularly on Kindle the 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 print is staying the same but I just and do you know what it hasn't really affected the amount no. of sales per day coming from my sort of Facebook ad sales. But it's something I'm going to monitor. It's only been seven days, actually. So it's something I'm going to monitor. And um, perhaps, yeah, I'll, I'll fill the listeners in as we go through these weeks that were or the week that was at, at the mm-hmm. beginning of each episode. Fantastic. Um, I think it's a good idea. Um, before before we uh, shoot off into the rest of the show, David, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just wanted to pay tribute to um, Christopher Fowler, who uh, sadly passed away this past week um, after a long battle with illness. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Christopher Fowler is a British writer who's written loads and loads of books some of them very very popular like um roof world and also the brian and may series which is kind of like a paranormal investigation type series with a lot of a lot of good humor in it set in like dueling timelines and stuff like that um the reason i want to pay tribute to him is not only is he a fantastic author um but i've made reference on here a number of times that uh, one of the reasons i left the publisher was because i was lied to and uh, the story around that was was my first book doorways um was paranormal um uh, urban fantasy and obviously it was in the same kind of um genres so i reached out to christopher fowler and a number of other authors obviously i'm a new author i don't really know what i know now um and i was asking if i could get them to read my book would they provide me with a quote for the cover and he didn't need to he reached out to me he said yep he'd be happy to so i he asked for all my information from for my my publisher um and i passed it all on and then it was only it was like when the book was on its way out um, my publisher said to me that he turned down reading the book and um, providing the quote which you know i took on the chin and then when i was hyping up that it was coming out he messaged me uh, privately saying i never received my copy of this i never heard from your publisher so i was told by my publisher that he turned it down 
but actually Christopher Fowler reached out to say that never happened. Um, And when I told him that, he just said to me, I don't think this publisher has your best interests at heart. Wow. And that was one of the sort of switches in my head that actually I'm better off out of this. So obviously... um, our thoughts and our condolences are with his um, his husband, his family, his friends. And obviously the writing world has lost a very, very good man and a very talented author. Big talking point this week, Robert. Big, huge. Um, so this week, listeners, we are going to discuss... What our indie author businesses look like? Mm. Um, just to answer, I am sure the multiple questions that spring into your mind um, on a regular basis as you were trying to navigate this career path, or perhaps uh, even a hobby uh, for you. But all of the different hats you have to wear, myself and Robert are going to explain how we wear them um mm-hmm. to run successful businesses so from the outset robert we have no doubt because we were these um lost puppy dogs at one stage you yep. look at the indie author uh business or the, the that sort of avenue and you you just see a mountain in front of you right because yeah you think um well not only have i got to write the book i have to get the book books covered on i have to do all the books marketing i have to write the blurb i have to handle my social media and my email newsletter and all the administration that comes with running uh, an indie author business then i got to deal with the publishing so that's kdp and ingram spark and and you think that the mountain is probably you're you're unlikely to climb it Uh or reach its peak yet so many of us have managed to climb that mountain and continuing to climb it successfully Mm -hmm. but there are ways to sort of clear up the whole mess there and the uh, amount of jargon i've just spoken in the past minute or two into four key areas that you have uh, broken it down into robert so can you explain how you can simplify how we run our indie author business yeah absolutely and like i said you just you've just listed so many things and and you've probably missed more Yes. Like that's that's the thing. There's there's so many things to consider and to do. And like you're you're right in saying when you're starting out it's it's intimidating. It's it, I mean that's probably the word for it. Yes, yeah. it's intimidating. Now it's 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 a big challenge. And um the only way you're ever gonna you know, rise to it is doing it one step at a time, isn't it? That's it. It's just one one step forward each and every time. Yeah. Um so there's four hats I wear um as a so as a business owner as this independent author business um so I have a creative hat a business hat an entrepreneur hat and a coach hat mm-hmm. um so the way to break that down is the creative hat is all about the writing the the plotting the creative side of it it's pretty self-explanatory I think it's the side we we all enjoy the most yeah. the, the side we love um mm-hmm. that that you draw your passion from it's the production of the novel yes really, isn't it yeah the, the idea creative. the 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 whatever it is that you're you're building or writing or creating that's the creative yes. hat yeah. then you've got the business hat so that is this is all the finances the budgets the admin the things that need to be done. I need to sit down. I need to talk to my accountant. I yeah. need to provide this information. I need to to make good business decisions. I need to track my data. Yeah, yeah. I don't. We make a joke that I'm the you know, the data nerd <laughs> on yeah. this thing, but you know sometimes I don't want to sit there and fill out spreadsheets. Yeah, I did it for dec- for over a decade, but I need to do it because that's the business side of it. Without that, there's no point wearing the creative hat because the business will fail if I don't wear that hat from time to time. Yeah. Then there's the really fun one, which is the entrepreneurial hat, Mm -hmm. which is things like marketing, you know, new ways of growing, you know, more, more revenue streams, things like that. Yeah. These ideas, they pop into your head out of nowhere and they can really like distract you um, or they can inspire you. Um, Yeah. But we have to wear that time to time because like you said, David, you need, you're needing to wear it right now because you're, your KU reads are down and your yeah. ads aren't being as effective as they used to be. So you need to think of new ways to 
redo that and that's what you're doing exactly yeah and there's um, always new ways of growth that pop into my head that we th- i think we could go down and as robert said introducing this third uh, hat that he wears entrepreneur it is the most fun yeah and it's is a really fun one i say it's up that, that the entrepreneur and the creative hats are the fun hats yeah um and i'm not even a hat person david you are <laughs> i am um but and then the fourth hat um is actually a coach um because you have to keep yourself mo- motivated mm-hmm. like you have to you have to keep yourself from from falling off from getting distracted from losing sight from losing faith um and that's really difficult i mean your wife is a coach you know, yeah there's, there's people who are coaches for a living because yeah. it's very difficult sometimes to to inspire people or to keep yourself motivated so it is yeah, um, and with with um bad habits like imposter syndrome and and am i really good at this that creep into even the million selling authors uh, mindsets being a coach it really is a key hat to 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 get you to if you want to be an artist to get you through you you need to be able to coach yourself through it too so it's a very very key uh, cog in the wheel mm-hmm. so they're they're my four hats so give hat them again rack. you are creative you have a creative hat a business, business hat, hat. An entrepreneur, entrepreneur hat. hat and a very coach. important coach hat. Yes. Okay. So, right. So here mm-hmm. we are now. We are about 11 books deep, Robert, or thereabouts. Yes. And we are now full-time at this because we have been able to successfully juggle those four. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk to the listeners about how we spread our time to juggle these four balls, okay, or wear these four hats. There's too many. I'm, I'm using way too many. Spinning um... four different pies. <laughs> See how many analogies we could use. This at this stage, I'm at four analogies to explain yeah. the four hats that we're juggling with balls, right? <laughs> Creative, business, entrepreneur, coach. How yeah. do you incorporate all four of those into your, let's say, seven or eight hours a day? Um, so... One of the things I've realized is you need to figure out how you how you work. It sounds mm-hmm. a bit wanky, maybe, but um, it's what makes good managers. And when I had a full time job, I had good managers, I had bad managers, and the good managers were the ones who a knew how they liked to work and b helped you figure out how you like to work as well. So understanding how you do it is right. So I know for a fact, I know when I'm in a zone of writing which i've been over on this podcast it's usually when i've broken the back of the book i'm yeah. in a zone then so i then change my minimum requirement of what i expect from myself each day yeah. um so it goes from you know just making sure i'm getting words down to a minimum of one chapter a day but i then aim for more i aim for like four to five thousand words a day yeah. um so then you know that's sort of me coaching myself like okay this is what you know you need to do this you know this is how you work you do that so then what i do is i block out my calendar to ensure i have the time to do it because that's good business that you make sure you have the time to do the things you need to do and then i have the time to write it which makes me you know that's my creative side of it but then what i do um across week so i use my calendar it's just my google calendar um which is linked to my phone so i can always get my you know I'm told what I'm doing if I'm not at my desk. Um, I make sure like every other day I block out time to handle all the other tasks, whether that's the business side of stuff, like my sales trackers, doing that, or it's my entrepreneur stuff, like my A-plus content, my marketing, new marketing ideas, speaking with Lee, who's my audiobook guy, about starting new audiobooks, things like that. Yeah. So... I'm quite good. I think getting on top of your time is is really key when you want to wear these hats. So things like social media, you could lose yourself for hours on there and there's nothing on there yeah. of any real value. Yeah. So I, I limit that to a tea break. <laughs> I can go on and post yeah. something to my Facebook group, things like that. Yeah. Um, but, but beyond that, I think one of the key things you need to do is understand how much time you have to play with, understand how you how you write best how you work best and sort of combine those two to come to a solution yeah and as you know i'm quite rigid i'm quite um like dedicated if i'm like okay this is what i'm doing this week i'll get my head down and do it 
Yeah, good discipline. Yeah, um, but then that comes from, you know, I've been wearing that coach hat, not just for the six months that I've been a full-time author, I've been wearing that, you know, we spoke about it last week, about writing when you've got a full-time job mm-hmm. um, to keep yourself on that path. Um, but David, you you look exceptional in hats. Thank you very much. How do you operate your different hats? How does that affect your working week? Um, well, I I try I try and simplify it. So in in the same manner, you have simplified all the multiple hats we wear and mm. um, put them into four different hats or balls or something that we're juggling. Bake them into four different pies. Bake them into four different pies. (laughs) Um, I simplify my day-to-day in much the same way. So I always give myself four tasks over a day. Okay. And now looking at them, so you have your four main hats there and balls and pies, your creative, your business, your entrepreneur, and your coach. Um, I'm not so sure if I had baked them into those four pies myself, but I always had these four missions every day that I had to complete and it's two it's very simple it's two before lunch and two after lunch yeah and one of those could be simple that it's just an hour it takes me an hour to do and mm-hmm. um, but the still that's that's one done and the box is ticked and a spare hour it's a spare hour for me and then uh, so one for example first thing I do on a Monday morning uh, Robert is all that's in my notes to do is uh, pre-planning for podcast show. So I kick off my week just doing um, a rough sort of outline of what our show is going to be about. Um, yeah. uh, jot out what we come to a decision what the talking point is going to be and and who and or I organise the guests for the seven questions and stuff like that. So and that may take me an hour, maybe ninety minutes, but that's my task one done in the morning. Nice. And my second task then. Um, might be writing so i'm just nailing myself to the desk for two hours i like to go out to write yes so um I, i'll go down to a coffee shop or the library or into the city or something i, I need a different um ambience and a different energy to write so i i like to do that so that that's done it's a break for lunch and then i get back to lunch after an hour and i know i've got two more tasks uh, and they it could be entrepreneurial it could be coach it could be business. It could be creative. Sometimes, um, the I might do creative twice in a day, even if I'm on a good flow with a book. Sometimes, um, it may be entrepreneurial twice in a day. So it's not that it's all four are completed. I was gonna say, do you day. try to do one of each sort of hat, or is it just whatever you need to do? Is it just is whatever's required that day? Doesn't matter what kind of category they fall under. Yeah, it's whatever's required that day. So at the end of every day, I'm writing my four bullet points for the next day. This is mm. what I need to achieve tomorrow. So nice. um, I do that. I, I do. I do before I sort of kick off for the day. Um, yeah, I, I write down things I need to do tomorrow. So yes. I could do. And and you're so right there about putting your tasks down because I put tasks down that are like paid book cover designer. Respond. Oh, right. Yeah. Respond to whoever's email because yeah. then although they're on there i then look at my i could show you my pad but it's not very good content for a podcast um i have lists but just tick 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 and if you've got like four tasks that you can do in your first hour and you tick them all off it really does yeah that's the coach side of it that's the look yeah. at you look at you you're achieving all this stuff today what else you yeah. have to do go do some writing that type of thing it's really good mm-hmm. um yeah it really is uh, the thing I've said this on the podcast before. I have sort of um, massaged it into being a business I love running. Yes. There's no part of it I don't like. The only part of it I find sloggy is actually writing, you know, in terms of if I have to handcuff myself to a desk um, and and I'm not really in the humor, that's the only part I find sloggy, which I have been finding uh, over Mm. the past five or six months. This is why I was taking some... um, time off from writing but the creative and the entrepreneurial part of it and even the business and the coach part of it uh, i love i love all elements to it now that's not to say i don't outsource parts of it because i don't quite like them mm-hmm. i make my accounting as simple as it can be for me and then it's outsourced to a professional accountant to do all the stuff i don't have the brain power to do so um there are parts of that but it's it's very interesting that you can break it down to these four hats that you say that are pies that are cooked and ball spinning those four and then um 
if you're aware of that and something Robert mentioned earlier on, your time management to sort of make sure you can um, give each of the spinning hats and juggling balls and the pies the time required. But yeah. then you will be able to progress a business that um, can bring in bigger revenue than it's spending and, and allow you to do this writing or run this business um, for as many hours in the day as you wish to. Yeah, and I think that dovetails really nicely with last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely listen to that because there'll be loads of people listening who aren't full-time. Yeah. Um, so obviously we've got the whole week to play with. Um, yeah. Because this is this is our business. But but if you're reduced to you have only five hours a week to dedicate to this business that you're trying to build or the book that you're trying to write, if, if that's all you want to do, mm-hmm. then it's about making sure you use those those hours effectively so that's where your coaching hat comes in you know i mean i I used to have to sit down at 9 p.m after a long day at work and go right i need to write half a chapter today i have to do it but unless you can get yourself into that position to do that and then get yourself into that mindset you're not going to do it so it's worth you know like you said your time management if you if you've got five hours spread across those five hours what is the most important stuff exactly because it's really easy to get distracted like we said a new idea will ping into your head that's the entrepreneur bit bing you can yeah. do this and make more money but i think i said it to you david before we came on thing is on on before we went live with the podcast today <laughs> um is i'll have 10 ideas or something of oh i could do this i could do this i could do this i think you're very mm-hmm. similar yeah but you'd rather <clears throat> you don't want to give 10 things 10 percent of your time when you exactly. could give one thing 100% of your time and it's worth giving that one thing, um, <clears throat> that one thing being the one that's going to get you there the quickest, which for all intents and purposes is the next book or yeah. whatever book you're writing. So until you have the time and energy to play around with that stuff, it's yeah. worth maybe letting that coaching hat be worn a little bit more than that entrepreneur hat. Great point. To begin with. Great point. Um, just, just as a, I think as a, a word of warning, because you know I've ventured down the YouTube channel rabbit hole. Do you remember? Yes. You know, and that ended up taking eating up like half of the hours I had available to do writing. So, I did something similar. Yes, trying to pass back by giving um, tutorials on YouTube and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So through um, YouTube channel. Yeah. So yeah, it's you, you learn from mistakes, of course, constantly. We we should also say, uh, Robert, that if if you're at the very start, if you're in the career and you're you're listening to this, going, oh god, how am I going to wear all of those hats? Um, and you've got one or two books out, and you're thinking, oh, how am I how am I going to handle this? And how am I going to handle the entrepreneurial part with the coaching part? And oh my god, at that stage, to be honest with you, the majority of your time would probably be best served being creative. And that means yes. just writing books. Don't You don't have to wear all of these hats until you, you, you're you publishing your books and you're spending money and you, you want to turn it into a business. Remember, we're mm-hmm. preaching here about how to run a successful independent author business. So if you've got two or three books and you're thinking, I, I'm never going to get up the top of that mountain, write more books. They do say it's five or six books, um, which is where most people tend to see the revenue streams increasing. So um, don't be put off that you have to give equal amounts of time over to these four hats that we're we're talking about here. You may be in a position where, to be honest, 80% of that time would be best served getting words on a page and producing more books. So it depends on where you are in your author business. Well, yeah, like I said, no, nothing, nothing sells your your book better than your next book. Yeah, um, David, we've just given some exceptional tips there. I think that's because well, we're exceptional. We are exceptional. I would say that they were more watchouts. <laughs> even do an analogy, right? No, and we're writers. No. Yeah, when we're cooking these four juggling balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, I think they were more watchouts. Um, you know I mean, they're, there's they're, they're things that you and I both have been caught out on. Um, yeah over the years of getting to to the positions we're in now um so you know it's that whole thing of learn from our mistakes um but i I also think people need to make their own mistakes because it's the best way you're going to learn yeah um but do you have any other tips any other tips for for how you run your indie business because if we put it down to the you know the, the the bare bones of it 
you currently run a business yourself that you've built yourself yeah. that turns over comfortably enough money for you to live nicely and yeah. pursue the stuff you love the most. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's a position a lot of people want to be in. So do you have any tips for people on on how you've done that or how you do that, how you operate? It It is one of the, the biggest skill I have is uh, writing because if you don't write good books, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not going to see the read through. And, and that's pretty key. But if, if the second skill I think that you have to have apart from the um, the craft is time management. And I know Robert's mentioned that phrase and I've mentioned that phrase in the last 20 minutes of talking to you about this, but it is about handling your time mm-hmm. and finding out what is best, uh, what task is, is best next for you, is the next best for you to tackle. Mm-hmm. So for, and having a bit of long-term vision as well. Uh, and in order to do that, the best tip I can give you is to make your day as simple as possible. Don't look at it as it's Mount Everest standing mm-hmm. in front of you. Look at it like a, a series of small little bumps and you're going to get over each one um, step by step and hour by hour into your business. So um, your plan doesn't have to be as simple as mine, which is I do four things a day. Um, but it does have to have clarity because if it doesn't have clarity, you're just going to get weighed down that that mountain is going to stand tall in front of you. So give yourself realistic targets and go tick them off one by one. Um, what about you, Rob? You, you got to have uh, a tip or two for our listeners. I have a couple of tips um, to go with our hats <laughs> that we've been boiling in a pot. All, all episode um i was going to talk about um, writing in sprints but i think i've, I've mm-hmm. hammered that one that nail all the way in now um yeah. so um for, for those of you who've listened and know about the sprints i would say if you're doing those the, a really good skill you're talking there about skills to develop i think you were saying they're like time management and yeah. and understanding your workload i think a really good skill you can learn and this isn't just for the business this is for a lot of things something i'm learning currently at the moment with with my my fitness and stuff like that is is become consistent yeah flex um, the muscle regularly it's it's if you're sitting there saying right i'm gonna write i'm gonna do three sprints a week so three heart so half hours so that's one and a half hours over the next week where i'm gonna write 500 words do that and always do it keep doing it don't just do it one week yeah, you know, give it the um, the commitment it deserves, because whether it's like fifty words, five hundred words, fifteen hundred words, however fast you write, if you do it consistently week upon week, you will get the book written. Because yeah. once it's down, it's down. We've already been over that. Once it's finished, once you've got a draft done, you can then make it perfect. Um, so I think learning to be consistent is one of the most fundamental things you can do to do this thing and it's, it's, it goes across that goes across all four hats yeah to bring it back to that i have to so consistently true. do the business i have to consistently coach myself i have to consistently come up with new ways of marketing otherwise my sales will drop off mm-hmm. i have to consistently write books otherwise people will lose interest so that's a really good one the last one i will leave you with is just be honest with yourself a lot of people don't hold themselves accountable to stuff they're very likely to point the finger at other reasons why things aren't happening yeah because like the saying is that everyone wants change but they don't want to change themselves or something like that um but that's the thing is it's it's be honest with yourself if you're not writing the book you can't then complain that the book's not written and then if you're not willing to you know step out of your comfort zone at certain points in time which i've had to do which we've had to do i think we're probably a lot better now recording this podcast than we were six months ago when we started yeah. because we've just done it every single week um so i think as long as you can be honest with yourself whether or not you're you're doing what you're telling yourself you should be doing um i think once you start doing that you'll start to see some serious progress absolutely David, it's time for the mailbag. Um, And this week we have a question sent in from David Burns. I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. 
Yes. Um, so his question, and I wanted to pose this one to you because it seems quite craft heavy. So it feels like this is in your wheelhouse. Was okay. I was wondering if you could give me any tips on how to create three dimensional characters. I seem to only be able to create cliched characters that appear on TV or in movies, and I really want to write characters readers can engage gauge in and then sympathise with. I have a real problem with this area of my writing. Any tips? Yes. Um, so, David, the best thing to figure out is what point of view uh, you're writing this character or these characters from, because that will make a huge difference. So, um, if you're writing in first person, for example, you have all of you, you have a whole world of avenues about how to describe how this character could be in some way sympathetic or empathetic or the readers could be empathetic or sympathetic but then because if you're in first person and you're in the head of the character well then anything you can, you can reveal anything any thought that the character has so that gives you ample uh, uh, opportunity to paint on some empathy or sympathy or, or make this character three-dimensional however it's very hard to write in first person and um, but it does give you those advantages uh, if you are writing in just a you know, uh, a regular third person or an omniscient point of view, uh, you, you've got to subtly draw on the empathy or sympathy. So you have to give your character flaws and resonations. So mm -hmm. uh, if you can help your reader resonate, so a reader will resonate with a character if they can see themselves in that character. So uh, make them very personable. Uh, and either likable or unlikable. If, if, you're, if you're making them unlikable, give them plenty of flaws. Um, so in, in their backstory, as you're writing in, in third person omniscient, sort of paint on these flaws or these resonations that um, will really call out to your reader as well and, and make that character more three-dimensional rather than just two-dimensional. Um, and remember, you make the character. So ask mm -hmm. yourself um, loads of questions. So w why is my character like this when my story begins? That's a great question to ask yourself. And then you realize, well, this character is angry because, you know, um, he never had a father figure in his life. And he, he was raised by a single mother, but the mother was, you know, working three jobs a day. And all. so w once you start asking yourself why your character is the way they are when your story begins, well, then the backstory starts, um, you know, infiltrating your mind. And then you can pull on any of that backstory um within your third person or your omniscient storytelling to suggest why this character is as he is. I mean, that's superb. Um, well, it just, yeah, it just helps them come from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. Um, but you, you've got a, a good answer for this, Robert, as well. You, you create great uh, three-dimensional characters and you've, you've got a new body that you have to bring alive in every uh, single novel mm. that you write. So you're really creating a three-dimensional character every time you turn to the page. Yeah, I do. I would say um, the only th the one thing I would say about the question um, was never be too hard on yourself if you're swimming closely to like a cliche, um, yeah. especially if you're writing genre specific stuff. Yeah, um, <clears throat> because you know we've I think we've been over this about writing to market. Like I, I've got a action hero, lone war, no, one man army, loner hero. There's a, there's a million of them out there in fiction yeah, now. The cliches um, are cliches for a reason. Exactly. However, this is the point you were making there. It's it's you can then define that character. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a, I had a really good chat with um, a friend of mine and friend of the show Johnny Denham, yes. um, who's who's currently um, brainstorming an idea, and and I just went through. He he gave me the idea he had down and how the characters work. And I always come back to, as a starting point, pretty much every character is motivation. Mm -hmm. So I think if yeah. you can understand the motivation of every character, that's when you can start pulling like a story thread together from it. Great so tip, yeah. I, you know, I have a rule that nothing can ever happen by coincidence or luck unless the luck is deserved in the book like if you've written something that the luck will be ah perfect but yeah. nothing can ever just be coincidence mm -hmm. um and i'll use sam pope as the example to that because like yeah. you said he's been in multiple things against multiple different bad guys he gets pulled in multiple different directions he's had people die he's had all this stuff so there's loads of motivation there yeah 
but I've always made a thing that he doesn't just stumble into anything. Like it never just that's that's like my only ever ugh, about um say like Jack Reacher. So he just happens, he just happens to be in the diner when a burglary yeah. happens, and it turns out it's by a guy who used to like. I mean, that for yeah. me is just a too too much. So for me, there's always a reason for an issue to be happening. Yeah, um, with Sam, whether it's greed or corruption. So that's where the bad guy is. It's usually you know there's a motivation why the bad guy is doing what they're doing, and then there's yeah. a motivation that brings Sam and him into a collision, and whether that's you know something personal or investigating something. And if you can just define those motivations of why characters A wanna, you know, come together, B, why they're trying to do whatever they're doing. So if it's um a bank heist novel, you've written one of them, David. The motivation yes. wasn't just greed, was it? No. It you know, wasn't. There, there, there was, was different motivations it. for the characters involved. Mm-hmm. Um or if you're doing a romance book, what's the motivations for them wanting to be together? What's stopping them from happening? Who's motivating to who's motivated to stop them from getting together? All these things. Because yeah. then that helps flesh out the character because then they have a motivation. And if you give them a motivation, you can build a personality around it. Absolutely. Great tips. Really great tips. You see, we're good at this mailbag stuff. Um, so do get more questions into us. You can ask questions through our email or you can preferably get on our Facebook page and you can ask questions there. We are happy to answer them on the show. Um, let's get to the seven questions. Two in the Robert, today we have with us for the seven questions an award-winning writer of multiple genres and a great mm-hmm. hybrid writing career. Um all the way from the centre of Ireland. It's Amanda J. Evans. Amanda, thank you so much for your time this morning. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Not at all. Um, congratulations on um, all of your publications so far. It's it's a brim-filled Amazon URL, the Amanda J. Evans Amazon URL. Uh, can you tell your, our listeners a little bit about um, your books? Okay, so my books... I, I they all are in the romance genre, but they will probably cross over um, between paranormal, fantasy, uh, standard romance. Um, I suppose over I, I like to try everything. I didn't know what I wanted to yeah. essentially write, but as I have gone on through the years, I've realised that there is a central theme in them all. And my mm-hmm. central right. theme focuses around death in, in all its various guises. So it can be mm-hmm. um, grief, as in normal grief from death. It can be grief from losing an aspect of your life, a loved one. But they all s- seem to centre around that theme with um, hope, the hope for a happy ever after. So I'm a very soppy person. Definitely believe nice. in happy ever after, but my books would be very character driven and very emotion driven. Fantastic, great, and and just before we go to the seven questions, given that you write in a similar genre, but it, it sort of uh, can can deviate into different avenues. Uh, do you get much read through? Do they do they go from one? Do your readers go from one genre to the other? I have a, I suppose I do have a readership. Um, I do have yeah. certain people that will read every book I, I, I put out there and I do get emails Fantastic. going, when is your next book? And I'm going, okay, um, don't know. Pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do have, and it surprised myself, these people that are following my career um, that are probably adults that I grew up with. So people from my hometown, which is always a big... Oh, my God. People that knew you as a child. Yeah. And um, but, yeah, I do. I, I don't I haven't written a series yet. I find that when I write a book, that's it. The story is told. Um, I yeah. haven't figured out how to get into the, the series element of it yet. Interesting. OK, well, great decisions made so far. Let's um, see if we can delve a little bit deeper and find out um, how you have operated uh, your independent author career. Let's um, hit Amanda with question number one of the seven questions, Robert. 
Okay, dokie. Question number one, Amanda. Are you a full-time author? No, I'm not. Um, I write as a career, so I have done that for, you know, 16 years. Um, my official title is SEO Content Manager, so I work in the search engine optimization uh, field, and I work okay. with a massive online gambling affiliate company. So I've always been writing kind of as my day job since I gave up my health board career when I my son was born. Um, so mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, being a, being a mom was kind of where the writing stopped and I didn't even look at it until I suppose maybe around 2012. Um, but at, at present, no, I, I kind of... I've been on a hiatus from writing since about 2020. I've got about 25,000 words of two different novels started, but I just never finished them. Right. So I've I've only really yeah. this year got the, the itch back. And um, oh, good stuff. So I'm, I'm going to see where it goes. Um, I no longer have babies. I have an almost 20 year old mm -hmm. and an almost 17 year old. So I can devote the time now if I want. Great, lovely. So a little bit about discipline now, if you can get um, those words on the page. So what you've been doing over the past few years, Amanda, then is, uh, have you been marketing the books that you had already written till that point? <laughs> Honestly, no. Um, I hate marketing. So it all faded away, the writing and the marketing. No, I still fail. I, I still get a, a, a little payment from Amazon every month and it's nice to see it going oh, in nice. the bank and it's lovely to pop along and look at your KDP report and go, ooh, sales. And yes, you know, they may, they're, they're mostly on the non-fiction side, which I, which I don't mind because marketing is, is not something I enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that, won't we? we? Yeah, we, 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 we will get to that, yeah. Um, so one of the big decisions we make then is to go wide or exclusive. Well, question number two is, is how have you tackled that? Are you exclusive to Amazon or are you, are you Kindle Books on the wider platform? I am at the moment. Now, obviously, back in the heyday of 2012, um, I have a Google account. I have an Apple one. I have everything. And, you know, I did put my first book wide and I think I realized after about a month or two oh this is a lot of work you were having to check you know three different platforms plus draft to digital and I just really didn't have the time and I think I was very very green I knew nothing and I just said, oh, and then, of course, when when KU came in, I said, oh, well, we'll just do that instead. I don't have to worry about all the others. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was an unknown person as well. And I think to be wide, I think you have to have already built an audience for it to work. Perhaps, yeah. That's a bit of like chicken and egg as well, isn't it? Because you can't really build an audience on Kobo unless you're on Kobo. Yeah. But you're not going to go on Kobo without an audience. Yeah. And it's... I think it's, it seems to be a very common theme to that answer, isn't it, David? The, the dance, a lot yeah. of people will try it and then quickly see the mountain that it actually is. Um, I kind of think we're similar. Yeah. Um, question number three, Amanda, is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Yes, this is the tricky question. And... <laughs> I, I sat. I, I did take time to think about this yesterday, and I thought, well, what's the one thing I could not do without? And I have one for either side, for like my writing side and my marketing side. But for writing, I'm very old school. I cannot do without notebook and pen. My drafting is notebook nice. and pen. Um, when I turn on the laptop, the computer, the iPad, whatever I'm I'm going to write on, my brain goes into work mode instead of creative mode. Um, so I have found for me, pen and paper, I just pick up my pen and all my first drafts that. are notebook. So that's... And does that notebook nice. go with you everywhere you go? Uh, well, I'm normally sitting here at my desk, so <laughs> it's here. <laughs> um, does it go up to bed with you at night is, is the no, question, because that's when no, a doesn't. lot of ideas float. Um, no. I probably write a lot differently to some people. My brain kind of functions differently. When I want to write, I literally pick up pen and paper and I just switch on. Um, 
and when I'm finished, I'm finished. Um, I, I can write like very, very instantly because it's always there. Yeah. I, I don't think it ever leaves you. It's always there lurking. And it's just when my brain knows I'm going to write and I pick up the, the notebook, the words come out. Well, I love that answer. I mean, in, mm. with, in this independent author world with all these digital um, avenues that we can go down and the, the amount of apps we can use and, and the, the data that reflects um, at the blink of an eye, a writer's favourite tool is paper and pen. Yeah. I love that. Amount. I did. I, That's great. I tried Scrivener. Um, doesn't work for yeah. my brain because I need to know how everything works and I spent too much time with the cork board and doing this and doing that and I wrote nothing so I went right, no yes. it doesn't work and Microsoft <laughs> Word as great as it is and I use it for obviously when I'm typing my drafts what I found was if I went to do my first draft in Microsoft if I got a blue line or a red line I was distracted and I was in editor mode I was analysing every word that was written pen and paper you just scribble it out and move on works I love that <laughs> That's how you flow. That's how yeah. that's how books come out of you, if your mind um, through through your hand eye. I love that. That's fantastic. Now we're going to get on to a question. I don't think um, you were looking forward to too much, and that's about the marketing aspect of of your in the auto business. Um, you say you don't do much marketing, but you still sell books. So at some stage, there must have been some campaigns going on. How have you marketed the novels you have written so far? Um, I suppose. Like I use Facebook. I've been on Facebook forever. So, you know, I do have followers. I do have pages. I have every social media account. I don't use them that much. Yeah. But if I have a book coming out, I, w- I will talk about it. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously you, you kind of put up the pictures and you do your cover reveal and things like that. For previous books, I have done, you know, I have had ARCs and I have had beta readers and I've had advanced review copies. This time with Winterland, which is the new book that came out, I went with an, a small independent publisher um, and I assumed, probably wrongly, that they would, you know, be involved in the marketing side of things. And I kind of sat back on my laurels and really didn't do anything, thinking, well, the publishing company is going to do it. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, no, they're not. Okay, right. Quick, grab my (laughs) daughter. Help. I need help with fonts. She's always my person. I go to with fonts because she's the artist. And it is open Canva. Get some quick images done and just kind of pop them out there. Um, I suppose I've used Instagram and I've used BookTok. Um, just really focusing on the hashtags. And then on my Facebook, I, I just me. And I will say my book is coming out. Um, yeah, I haven't done a huge amount for previous books that were my own and independent published. I have, you know, I've done NetGalley. Um, I will often put one book free for a week before a new book is coming out. Um, yeah. Just to give readers a, a flavor. I have I have a good network of writers that will read advanced copies for me that I trust um and that are in the genre so it's great for that this time around i haven't actually used that because again i thought the publisher was going to do all this yeah yeah i think they would (laughs) you think they would nice so you're utilizing your your heavy following already and um they're sort of invested in you and and you you learn how to uh market through them in a very casual way yes sounds very interesting Mm. i'm afraid of that i like it i i I haven't, yeah. I haven't learned them yet. I, I keep meaning to, but I know it's a it's a big time commitment, and I haven't, I suppose, penciled out time and scheduled time to actually go in and learn. Um, learn it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think in a couple of weeks' time or so, David and I will be doing a fair bit of um, stuff around Facebook ads. So um, I'd say definitely check that out because um, I think that's what we, you and I predominantly use, David, yeah. is paid paid Facebook ads. So um, hopefully we'll we'll be able to share some stuff then. Um, 
take you away from marketing now. Um, question five. What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Oh, I think really, I mean, I've, I've learned so much. I, I You know, I, I've been kind of in, in the industry for so many years. But I think what I suppose most new authors probably don't realise is that it's too completely separate elements you have your writing element where you get to be this wonderful creative person and it's your passion and you love it but on the other side you have this business element where you have to become entrepreneur business owner marketer salesperson and that's publisher you know if you're just a creative person that part of it doesn't gel with who you are <laughs> it's, yeah. it can be an obstacle that you have to overcome um yeah you know and, and it can be difficult you know if you're just mm -hmm. thinking oh but i only want to write books if you want to be an independent author you can't only write books i mean most people, you know, and the, and the industry changes all the time. Ten years ago, if all you want to do was write books, you just get, you know, your agent and traditional publisher and you can just write books. OK, fast forward yeah. 10 years. Unfortunately, that's not the case either. You still have to become a marketer. Readers want to actually feel like they know the person they're buying the books from. So if you want to hide away, yeah. you can't anymore. So I think that's, I wish I had known that. I think I went in very naive, very kind of, oh, we'll see what happens. And yeah. I think I thought you could kind of keep the, the, the fun element, keep it as a hobby, keep it as everything. But, you know, if you want to be successful and if you want to really, you know, hit those bestseller lists and stuff, you have to put your business hat on. Yeah, it's actually what we've just spent the last half an hour or so talking about this whole episode uh, um, is all about how you wear those different hats and, and, and how you can control them to create a successful auto business. But you're dead right. If your interest only lies in the creating of the novel, the writing and the writing process, and the traditional route is obviously the, 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 the route uh, for, for people who don't really want to wear the entrepreneurial hat. Um, but yeah, we, we've just gone deep diving on, on that issue here. Um, it brings us to question six. Now, there's a lot of frustrations along the way, uh, Amanda. What's the biggest frustration you've faced as an independent author? I think for me, the biggest frustration was not actually pausing. It, it, it's such a fast-paced industry at the moment. And mm -hmm. I think actually mm -hmm. pausing and realising that independent author means it's about you and how yes. important it is to be you to understand yourself to understand what success means to you because it's 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 personal to everyone you know and yeah i think you know marketing is changing constantly as well and now of course we have ai and and chat gpt which i had a great test with yesterday in in, oh, in right. my own work sense not uh, my writing sense and um you have to be constantly i suppose engaged you have to you have to be knowledgeable i i like to be knowledgeable mm -hmm. on both sides i i do follow the trends and stuff in traditional publishing and also independent publishing um, I like to know what's happening and I think, you know, it can be very frustrating. I know at, at yeah. present, uh, one big frustration, which we, we talked about uh, Kindle Unlimited there, one big frustration for the, the bigger independent authors is that when they go in KU, they must be exclusive. But if you're with a traditional mm -hmm. publisher, your book can be in Kindle Unlimited and on Apple and on Thing. And I know there are big talks about that at the moment happening on you know why is there has amazon got one rule for traditional publishers and one rule for independent publishers so i i'm kind of keeping an eye on that because that could really really open things up if they change that if they allow yeah. you know i'm sure they will there will be limitations and stuff but you know most people probably aren't aware that traditional publishers get different agreements with Amazon 
than those of us who just upload our books on KDP get. Yeah, yeah. it is frustrating. I completely agree with you. And I think you it were is. spot on there. Absolutely spot on about understanding what uh, success is for you as an individual. Yeah. Um, because uh, one of the worst things you can do is compare yourself to what other authors are doing um, because, you know, it's not a competition. Um, and understanding that and knowing what you want to get is, is is a really healthy thing just for your mental health, yeah. I think, more than anything. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And hopefully, you know, things do open up a bit more over the next year or so because that would be interesting. Um, but you've made it to the final question, Amanda. Um, you've given us some wonderful answers so far. Um, lots for our uh, listeners to take on board. But question number seven what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Okay. This probably ties in with my answer from, from the previous question, but whenever I work with kind of new, new writers, my biggest piece of advice that I will tell them, and it's a little bit of a catchphrase that I use for them is comparison kills creativity. You know, I mean, they come along and they're comparing themselves to, you know, different authors, different books, and you're trying to explain to them, that could be draft 14. You will never, ever see another author's first draft. So why are you comparing Mm, yours to it? Mm. The same goes with we see, you know, debut authors. Yeah, they're a debut author, but that doesn't mean that's their first book they've written. That could be book number 10. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and... I I know it happened to me in the earlier days where, you know, people would be posting, oh, I did, you know, I wrote 8,000 words today. I might have written 300 and I allowed that to, I suppose, seep in and thought I wasn't good enough. I'll never be good enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I need to write more. I need to do this. And I was so, so hard on myself that I ended up getting completely burnt out and... Right. being so disheartened I wasn't good enough I'd never be good enough I, I was comparing myself to everybody else instead of literally comparing to well I wrote 300 words today in a five minute break yesterday I got 200 yeah. done and I also managed to do my full day's work take the kids to school do all this other stuff whereas the person who wrote 8,000 they had nothing to do all day so I, I did learn yeah. I spent the past two years studying mindset and personal development understanding myself learning about what success means to me where I want to take my writing career and I think I've come back this year I, I know my book is out but the book was finished writing in 2018 and it got polished and all in 2020 and I think I'm just after taking the time and the break, I've come back knowing who I am, where I am, and yeah. where I want to love go. It. Yes, Amanda, I love it. Fantastic. Great. Yeah, it, I mean, it, writing a book is an art form, so cons- um, comparisonitis in any art form is totally redundant, and all that will do is set you back. So no other painter is looking at a, a Leonardo da Vinci for some reason. I think, I'm going I'm to... Do it the way he did it. it that's just pointless. Um, it, it really is all about your voice and how you can create and how much you can get done and when you can get it done. It's all individualistic. So, yeah, comparing yourself to others um, um, or to not compare yourself to others is a great tip to pass back, Amanda. Thank you so much for facing the seven questions. You you, you did you answered those fantastically. Uh, and it will be um, a, a lot of gold that's there for our, our listeners thank you so much for your time this morning Amanda oh, thanks so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hopefully I have been able to share some little nuggets absolutely you have thank you all the best Amanda thank you to well wasn't Amanda lovely David yeah she's awesome all yeah. Irish people are nice though <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I, I, this, that is fact. Yeah, that's um, an absolute fact. But once again, um, I think it just goes to show how nice the indie author community is, but just how different people approach stuff. And I think the seven questions, once again, showing 
like it's such a a difference yeah. between how everyone operates yeah i was even saying this to amanda uh, when i booked her for the show every author has something that they can pay back mm. they are every you know wherever you are along your career there is somebody behind you who is looking for the information that you can provide um and so that that is what's great about the indie author community and it's why we uh devise these these specific uh seven questions so yeah thank you so much uh amanda uh for your time i hope we have given you a, a good hour uh mm-hmm. listeners here between talking about how we run our independent businesses and and answering a mailbag question on craft and then um a great 20 minutes or so uh spent in the company of uh, amanda j evans um, Robert, that brings us to the end of another show. What mm-hmm. have you got planned over the next seven days? Um, I am purely focused on the writing. I think I think everyone, everything else can just be pushed back at the moment. I don't think there's anything else that needs my attention, but I think I can. My my deadline is is looming on the book, and I think if Great. I just get my head down, I could probably hit it or in and around that date. And then it's a very exciting place to be. So that'll nice. be my focus for the next week. How about Sounds yourself? Good. Yeah, I want to. I want to focus heavy on the writing as well. While I'm in a flow, I am. Um, I hate getting taken out of one. The weekends mm-hmm. can take them out of me. It can be terrible. I can arrive back on a Monday morning and just and not have it. And um, so I'm hoping I stay in that flow. I also want to get deeper into this perpetual stuff but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep you all informed of, of um how that is working out for me over the next week or two and what else i had something else to do over the next week it is skipping my brain at the moment um oh i did want to mention it but it's it skipped my brain i do also i'll keep you informed as well listeners on um the fact that I've increased my price points over three ninety nine now up to five ninety nine per Kindle book, and I'm seeing no difference nice. in sales. Oddly enough, but it's very very early doors, so I'll, I'll I'll keep you all informed of that as as we go through the weeks. Okay, well I tell you what, David. Next week you can tell me about all the extra money you've made. Yes, will do. All right, and I will speak to you next week. See you guys. Dum 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 dum